who are streaming with us, we want to welcome you too. Let's keep it in the same key. Let's sing that old song on Christ the Solid Rock. On Christ the Solid Rock I stand All other ground is sinking sand All other ground is sinking sand And my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I do not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid Rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand, all other ground is sinking sand. When darkness seems to hide his face, I rest on his High and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand.
shall come with trumpet sound. Oh, may I then in Him be found, dressed in His righteousness alone. God, less to stand before the throne on Christ the Son. Stand all other ground is sinking sand, all other ground is sinking sand. His oath, his covenant, and his blood support me in the all my hope and stay on Christ the solid rock I stand all other ground is sinking sand all other ground is sinking sand on Christ the solid rock I stand all other ground is sinking sand all other ground is sinking sand Amen I'm glad we have that rock to stand on this evening let's um, change the key to G it says here we'll speed it up just a little bit this evening Would you be free from your burden of sin? There's power in the blood, oh power in the blood. Would you or evil a victory win? There's wonderful power in the blood. Oh, there's power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. Oh, there is power, power, wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. Oh, would you be free from your passion and pride? There's power in the blood, there's power in the blood. Come for a cleansing to Calvary's tide. There's wonderful power in the blood. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. Oh, there is power, power, wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. Now would you be wider, much wider than there's power in the blood, power in the blood. Sin stains are lost in its life-giving flow. There's wonderful power in the blood. Oh, there is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood. Oh, I'm There is power, power, wonder-working 
out in the precious blood of the Lamb. Now would you do service for Jesus, your King? There is power in the blood. Would you live daily His praises to sing? There's wonderful power in the blood. Now there is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. Oh, there is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. Oh, there is power, power, wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. Oh, and oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. blood of Jesus. Now what can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And what can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the blood that makes me white as snow, no other found I know, nothing but the blood of Jesus. And for my pardon, this I see, nothing but the blood of Jesus. For my cleansing, this my plea, nothing but the blood of Jesus. And oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other bounds I know, nothing but the blood of Jesus. This is all my hope and peace, nothing but the blood of Jesus. And this is all my righteousness, nothing but the blood of Jesus. And oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. Come on now. Oh, and no precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other bounds I know, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Amen. Let's uh, put it in the key of...
Brother Matt. And we'll go ahead and change the order of the service. I'm thankful for that blood and uh, all that it's done for us, but I'm also grateful that we also can still call upon him when we need him. So let's just sing, uh, We Need You, Lord, before we take our prayer requests. And uh, if I could also have the ushers prepared to come after I uh, read the prayer requests at this time, and we'll pray over the offering as well. We need you, Lord. We need you, Lord, right here that we just want to remember. Uh, we just want to remember those who are not with us due to work. Uh, Brother Lucas is having to work this evening, and uh, if we could just remember my dad, Brother Keith, and Brother David Whitlock as well as having to work this evening. Uh, we just want to uh, remember Miles Coffee, who is sick this evening, so we just want to remember him, and uh, we just want to uh, remember Josh Johnson, Brother Josh Johnson and family, um, who are away traveling um, to Florida and Texas, I'm reading here, I believe. So we just want to remember them in prayer. Uh, also, just uh, I have a prayer request here to please pray for Sister Sherry. She's having uh, lots of pain in her shoulder and back, so we just want to remember her. Um, also, uh, just remember uh, Sister Amber. Uh, she has pink eye and an ear infection as well, so we just want to remember her. 
Um, and uh, I also have a prayer request here uh, from Sister Crystal uh, that says, please pray for our extended family. Uh, this morning, their 31-year-old son uh, ended his life. So we just want to remember them in prayer and um, anyone who deals with that demon because that is uh, an unfortunate and a very uh, common demon, unfortunately, that has uh, rooted its place in this world and uh, many people suffer with it. So we just want to remember that family in prayer and those uh, amongst our ranks, those that are not amongst our ranks who deal with that as well. So uh, just remember that prayer request. And I know we all have unspoken prayer requests. So just by the lifting of your hand, the Lord knows that need and he can come down and touch that need. So if you would stand with me, if I could have Brother Chris come at this time and pray over these prayer requests and uh, the tithes and offering. Heavenly Father, we thank you once again for this opportunity to come to your house, Lord. Lord, an opportunity to set aside all the burdens of the week to come and just focus on you, Father. So, Lord, we're here and we just ask that you would take anything that would that would hinder us from receiving from you tonight. We place it under the blood, Lord. Father, we've heard the needs that have been brought before your people. Lord, there are those that are sick, those that are traveling, Lord, those that are grieving. Lord, we just ask that you would be our Jehovah Jireh, Lord, our provider. Provide for all the needs of your people and all the needs that have been brought before us tonight. Lord, be with the minister as he brings forth the word. Speak to our hearts, Father, and just draw us closer to you. We thank you and we love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And just as Brother Barry comes this evening, I'm going to go ahead and turn it over to him. Let's sing that song, uh, Sing He, Jesus, uh, Jesus, How I Trust Thee. Oh, Jesus, Jesus, how I trust Him, how I proved Him more and more. Oh, Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for grace to trust Him. time. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust Him, how I proved Him more and more. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for Trust him all. I would like to let you know that 
Sister Rachel Pritchard's father made a great recovery and is back home, and we're thankful for that. Brother Tim Ashon got through his surgery very well. The doctor was very pleased. They had to do a minimal amount of uh, procedure, uh, but they feel like they got it. He's home. He's resting. He's got a nurse, lives in with him, married to him. And uh, she, let me tell you, she's on the ball. She's, uh, she's got it covered. So uh, Brother Tim was very, very thankful for all the attention and care. I went to be with him at 6 o'clock Monday morning just before he went in. Brother Aaron was there as well. And uh, we gathered together and prayed for him just before he went into uh, surgery. So uh, he's very thankful for that. I would like to ask you to remember Sister Tracy Eisenhower. And uh, Sister Tracy was here a little while back. Most of you know who she is. She was a member of our assembly uh, a number of years ago. And she underwent last Wednesday. She underwent testing. Uh, she has a, a, a renal issue. Uh, means that they're going to have to take one of her kidneys as cancer. And uh, she asked us if we would remember that need in prayer. Let's bow our heads together, and I want you to hold your need right in the middle of all these other needs as well. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful that we have a place to go, a place to turn. A place, Lord, to cast all of our cares, and Lord, to bring all of our burdens. And Lord, a place that we know with great confidence that you do hear us. And Lord, you're a God who answers prayer. You're a God, Lord, who moves on the scene very sovereignly. And Lord, we're not here to tell you what to do. But, Father, we, we are coming, Lord, just to present these needs in faith. And, Lord, thanking you for what you have done and looking forward to what you will do in the hearts and lives of these people, Lord. There's much, much sickness, Lord, many issues that people face. And, Father, I pray that you would be merciful now and be mindful. And, Lord, I have people on my mind, and I know that the people here have individuals on their mind, Lord, that they're praying for. We think of Brother Sam Rice's father-in-law and, Lord, struggling with cancer. And, Lord, just there's just so many, Lord, and, and the Godwin children tonight, Lord. May, Father, your Holy Spirit just go and minister, Lord, to each one. We place them into your hands. And believe, Lord Jesus, that you have a purpose in all things, even if we can't see it or understand it. We know that all things do work together for good to them that love you. Father, have your way tonight, we pray in this service. We give it to you completely. Lord, I pray you deal with the hearts of these people like you have dealt with my heart this last week. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray. Amen and amen. Praise the Lord. Let's take your Bibles, if you will. Let's go straight to the Word tonight, Romans chapter 8. There will be no church next Wednesday because that's the Wednesday before Thanksgiving and we have people who are going to be traveling. So... We are not going to have church next Wednesday. We'll pick it up again on Sunday. Romans, the 8th chapter. And we know, verse 28, that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. May God add his blessing. You may be seated. I'd like to show you this, because this is really wonderful. This is individual sermons printed in booklets in Spanish. These are going all over the Spanish-speaking world. And uh, 
this is the first of a series. Uh, these are uh, three, six, seven different booklets, so it's about 30, uh, 28 sermons that are right here. And uh, we've printed uh, a lot of these, and they're coinciding with the new revised Seven Seals book that are now uh, going out, out as well. And I put them all in the same container uh, for South America and added pictures in there of, of things that believers don't normally get, the pillar fire in the cloud, had them printed uh, like we have in our library there. And so they're going to receive a whole bundle of stuff from Mexico all the way down uh, to Patagonia. And uh, so we're excited about that and very thankful. And uh, this is the first of many that are coming. We're doing an, a printing of the English seals book as well, the revised version. It'll be like the church age book that was revised and Brother George Smith had and a little easier to read. And uh, we'll, we're, we're in the process of uh, doing final design on that, so that will be printed. But the Spanish ones are all going to go first, and uh, they're really nice. I brought a blue seals book for you a little while ago, and that's, that's the one that uh, is going to be going. I'm going to jump right in because I have a lot of hay on my fork, and I probably will not complete this tonight. But I wanted to deal with this subject of um, living above your cares and dealing with anxiety and stress. Now, last week, I believe it was on Wednesday night, I made a statement that, uh, you know, there's different things that are happening in the world, <coughs> excuse me, different things that are going on, and I said, and I, I, I encounter anxiety a, a lot of times these days, and I, I made a couple of just very brief comments about that and then went on, <coughs> excuse me, and I didn't deal with it very thoroughly, and so... Uh, after that service, and many times on the way home, like on a Wednesday night, I'll think about the service, and why didn't you say that, and why didn't you say that, and why did you say that, and um, maybe that person's offended, maybe they're all offended, and nobody sits in the front row anymore, hardly. And uh, so I, <clears throat> I was thinking about that statement in relation to anxiety, and I, I went back and I just began to look at it, and I, <clears throat> I found... Uh, so many, uh, not only not only scripture verses, but so many places where Brother Bannum encountered that in the prayer line. And uh, I want to share some of those with you tonight and share what's on my heart. Now, I want to say this too at the outset here, and I say this very sincerely, that whenever I deal with a subject like this, <clears throat> I realize that it's not just for uh, you folks that are right here. We have a lot of people... A lot of people are connected with our church who stream, and uh, they, they are listening as well, and some that I had told about, and they're gonna be, they listen to archives. We have a lot of people who listen to archives, and so we appreciate our tech team that uh, does such a great job of capturing everything and making it available for people uh, after the fact. And uh, we appreciate Brother Jeremy and all the work he does and with his crew. And uh, so uh, in, in saying that, I realized that uh, and, and you, you might not know this, and I, I, I'm not going to belabor the point here, and I'm not trying to be a martyr, uh, but I take a lot of criticism for dealing with this subject and dealing with it in the way I do. Um, <clears throat> I've never read a psychology textbook. I don't know. Uh, I've never done any training in that regard at all. And I just, uh, uh, as you'll see, I, I, I stick very, very closely to the Scripture and to the message because uh, I want you to get it not as an opinion or as a thought 
or as a theory, but I want you to get the truth on it. Because I have found over, the, over my years that uh, it's, it's not counseling that sets you free. Uh, it's not a good church that sets you free. It's not a smart pastor that sets you free. It's the truth that sets you free. And many, many times you look at Brother Branham and he would talk to people and tell them, he'd just simply tell them the truth of what went on. He'd tell them the truth about their past and what really occurred. Many times they would not even remember those things. They'd have a a defense mechanism in place where they just kind of layered that thing over like an onion and they can't even see what the problem actually is. They've learned to live with it and deny it for many, many years and so they don't even see the problem. But God sees everything. And so when Brother Branham would stand in front of people, he would often see, ah, that happened in your childhood or that accident occurred or whatever else. And sometimes he wouldn't even pray for people. He would just tell them the truth. And in telling them the truth, they were free. He said, see, it's gone from you now. And so Brother Branham looked at things in a way that we did not. And God sees things in a way that we do not. Very often, Brother Branham saw people with a cloud or a darkness over them or an atmosphere that was different. And he said, I know you have a sickness. You know, he'd just say that to people when they walked up to him because they had that spirit about them. And there is a spirit and an atmosphere that goes with all, all the uh, maladies of life and all the uh, different kinds of things that cling on to people. So uh, I understand that, very sensitive to that. <clears throat> but I want to say this, too, that I have not encountered hardly anywhere in all of the prayer lines and all the people Brother Branham dealt with where he started casting out demons from people because they had stress or anxiety or depression or something else. Matter of fact... I found most often he dealt very gently with them. And he was very careful in what he said and very uh, sensitive to the things they were going through. Now, there are times when that's what's needed. There are times when somebody can be bound by something because they've opened themselves up to something. And very often Satan will jump on a person's shoulder and, uh, you know, antagonize that person until they find an entrance somehow. Or, uh, you know, people will give in to things and they'll succumb to temptation. But I want to say this, that none of us are above temptation and none of us are above uh, the attacks of the enemy. As a matter of fact, uh, all believers have a birthmark and that birthmark takes the form of a target, a bullseye. And as a result of that, we all go through different things. But uh, there are times when you need to uh, you know, there, there, there may be a, a wrong spirit or an evil spirit that's gotten in there, and, you know, you need to deal with that in a certain way. But there's a lot of times, and there's a real stigma, uh, I think, among believers of the message that uh, we don't have those kinds of problems, and we don't get distressed or depressed, or we don't go through those things at all. And if that's the case, you haven't read very much of Brother Ram's message. Because even Brother Branham himself, and I'll, I could sh- I'm going to show you a little bit tonight, uh, just the things that he went through as a Christian and as a father and as a, uh, a, a prophet in this last day and the emotions that, that he felt and the things that he went through. So people go at it from different angles, and I'm going to go at it in a way that I would if I was sitting down talking to you and discussing things with you. So uh, just stay with me here as we work through this. This is, to me, it's really, uh, it, it just... Um, it's just a fascinating thing, the way that uh, this, this unfolded to me and, and also the way that it unfolded to, to Brother Branham and his ministry of dealing with the sick. Now, <clears throat> um, 
And I'm going to qualify some things later on as we go. I, uh, I, I'll, I don't want to preamble too much, so just bear with me here now as we take a look here. When it comes to stresses in life and it comes to problems that people face, it's a wonder that there's not more. It's a wonder there's not more people who are affected by the conditions of our times. Uh, I mean, it's, it's just really amazing coming out of the COVID season that we had, which was crazy, and the political situation and all the juggling going on there and the shootings that happen almost daily and the, the fact that many people are plugged in, in, in into social media and plugged into the Internet continually. So we're faced with a knowledge of things that uh, in former years we never had to deal with the knowledge of. And now we have to deal, I mean, now we, uh, we find that young people especially uh, are plugged in constantly and, uh, you know, it has its effect. Now, <clears throat> you, you, you um, will deal with that whole subject of being plugged in uh, in just a, a little while, probably not tonight, but we'll deal with that as well because I think it's worth talking about uh, because I think it's important. But let's just, let's just look at what Brother Branham said. Now, here is a, a, a prophet. He's in 1964, and he's looking out, and he says, now we're facing two scriptures. He said a contrast, one to the other. Arise and shine, for the glory of God has come upon you. And he said, the light is here. And then the next verse says, and he's quoting out of Isaiah 61 here, he says, the next verse says, gross darkness is upon the people. And the world, he said, is in one of the most chaotic times of darkness that it's ever stood in. And yet it's standing in, again, one of the most blessed lights that it ever shined in. So we live in a time of not just contrast, but extreme contrast. So everything about this age, in the way that he's describing it here, is extreme. It's not just, hey, good and bad, one hand versus the other. We've got the worst kind of darkness and evil that exists in our time. And he says we have the greatest light. Because we have the greatest amount of truth and revelation and the presence of God. And we also have hell pouring itself into this dimension, trying to drag down everything it possibly can. And so that's the world that we live in. And this is, uh, this is in 1964, so accelerate that or move that up. Have things gotten better or worse? Well, if you're on the dark side, it's gotten worse. If you're on the light side, I think it's gotten better. Because you know what? We're closer to the uh, change of our bodies now than we were in 1964. And whether you realize it or not, and whether you sense it or not, God is doing things in the hearts of his people. And uh, I believe he's preparing a bride, singling out a bride, pulling out a bride, and preparing a bride for that kingdom. I think that's going on. I think it's going on tonight. How many would agree? And you have to look sometimes beyond the circumstances And not let the circumstances be your influence because the circumstances do not define your experience with God. The circumstances do not define what God is actually doing in a particular hour. It is what God has determined is going to happen in in the hour. And so therefore, uh, we we live in a time of extremes here and that's what Brother Bram is talking about. And I expect that, uh, as I've said to you before, I expect that Uh, we would see more people reaching out for help from people and from families like you as things get worse because they realize that there is less and less to hope for or to hang on to in this world. There is less to hope for and less to hang on to in this world. And people want a place to put their foot. 
People want a solid place so they can uh, make, a, make a stand or they can uh, feel secure. And there is really not much that's secure left in our world. Brother Bram said it wasn't meant for you to have peace here. If you did, you'd get customized to the world. You'd get comfortable with it. But God don't want you customized to this world. He wants you to rest in him and come to him, and then you have peace. So the only, the only real peace that we have is in Christ. And God then on top of that, like Brother Bram describes, he says when it's time for those eaglets to get out of the nest, he said that mother will pick out those feathers and just toss them over the side. Right? And so there's nothing left but the thorny parts of that nest. And it's less comfortable inside than it is outside the nest. So the birds start thinking outside the nest. I believe that God is making it so that we are moving to a place where we say, you know what, it's better there than here. So whatever it takes, let's go. And I believe God wants us to say that. I believe he wants us to say with all of our heart, even so, come Lord Jesus, and we believe that one day that's going to happen. Now, David went through all kinds of things in his experience, and he said, oh my God, Psalm 42 and verse 6 uh, he says, oh my God, my soul is cast down within me. Now I found that today, that word terazo in the Hebrew, it is a really strong word. It's a really powerful word. And it means, uh, as the definition, I, I just copied and pasted it there, it means shaken, troubled, agitated, distressed, acute, mental slash spiritual agitation. So when David said that his soul was cast down, this was not a spiritual problem. This was something that David was feeling on the inside. And therefore will I remember thee from the land of Jordan and of the Hermonites and of the hill Mizar. What does that mean? Well, when you do the research, all three of those places do not reside in Israel. They're all outside. And Moses is saying this, or sorry, David's saying this, that my soul is cast down within me. And therefore, I remember the journey of the children of Israel when they were on the other side of Jordan and they were out in the wilderness and they were uh, in, near Mount Hermon and they were near uh, Mizar and all the rest of it. And he said, I think about, and this is, this is a, a key that I want you to hold on to. He says, I, th- I think about how God provided for the children of Israel even when they were outside of the land, even when they were outside the borders and they were not in the promised land, but God still provided for them. And he says, when I'm shaken, and when I've got spiritual agitation, or if I'm distressed, uh, David says, he says, uh, and he used the phrase, I'm cast down. He says, and I remember how that we serve a God who knows where his people are, no matter where they are, or what situation they're in, or what their circumstances are. How many of you can agree that our God... He never, he never sleeps nor slumbers. He never, he never forsakes. He, he's always present. He's always watching and he's always caring about his own. No matter where you are, no matter where life takes you, no matter what situation you're in, you're never in a place without God. And, and I think it's really important for us to understand, like, uh, you know, we were talking a little bit about things that happened in history and all the way back and the terrible things that went on in wars and uh, different political insurrections and all the different struggles that people have had over time. And I was saying to somebody that, you know what, I'm glad Brother Branham came along and said what he did, that he said there be nothing can harm you until God's finished with you on this earth. 
My, you know, I, I, I think about the believers over in Ukraine and the things they're going through and, uh, you know, how, how crazy that's all getting. And no matter where they're living in Ukraine now, there's all, there's a risk associated with wherever you live. And, and this is what David does. He said, you know, I'm going through this in my own life. But he said, I, I just sit there and I start to remember, wow, you're not, you're not only a God who blesses us when we're in church. And you're not only a God who blesses us when we're living on top of the mountain here, and we got everything together and everything is running right, but you're a God who looks after us when we're uh, outside the boundaries and we're outside the box and we're outside, uh, you know, maybe where we should be even. And uh, you're a God who doesn't forsake us because we haven't lived up to the standard or something else. You're, you, you predestinated us, and we trust in that. We trust in the living God. Sorry, I don't have much voice here, but just bear with me. He says, The deep calleth to the deep at the noise of thy water spouts, and all thy waves and thy billows are gone over me. Remember, Brother Branham talking about that, uh, you know, when his baby was dying, Sharon Rose was dying in a hospital, and he was ready to give up. He was ready to turn it over, and he said something from within. And this is what David is referring to. It, there's, a, there's a deep that's there that will hold in the, in the, uh, despite the circumstances that he's surrounded by. And yet the Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime. And in the night, his song shall be with me and my prayer unto the God of my life. I will say unto God, my rock, why hast thou forgotten me? Why go I mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? And David's asking the right question. Now, let me tell you something. We're going to learn a little bit about uh, asking the right questions. And I will say this to you this evening, that the more you grow in Christ... The less you may know, but the better your questions become. Now, you'll just have to think about that and trust me. But as you grow in Christ, I find myself knowing less, but asking good questions. And that's what a Christian should be doing. And David is asking this. He says, uh, I will say unto my God, uh, why hast thou forgotten me? And why go I mourning because of the oppression of the enemy here? David, as we read, said in the first part, David said, I can sit down, I can see the hand of God in the lives of the children of Israel. He said, even when they were outside, all over the place, he said, I know that God is with us. Now, <clears throat> Brother Benham, he says in, uh, what doest thou here? What does thou hear? Mita and I, he said, we're riding around. So this is like a, uh, just a drive, probably on a Monday. Now, for most people, they might do a Sunday, uh, Sunday afternoon drive or a Sunday afternoon stroll. Most ministers don't get to do that, so we do it on Monday. And Mita and I were riding around, and he said he was going around riding over the roads. And I was thinking to myself, this is him just telling us what he's thinking. Oh, God, something must be done. I just got to get a hold of you somewhere. Now, he's talking about himself. He's looking at the conditions of the world, but he's talking about how he feels about that himself. And he said, the hour is pressing, and the darkness is settling, and the end time is here. And one minute before midnight. See the presence of the enemy, the shaking. Hey, listen, folks, it's 1959. 1959, and he's looking at this in, in just a human way. He's an, he's an Aries, we know that, uh, born in April, and therefore uh, this is not surprising that Brother Brandon would say it this way. He said the darkness is settling, the end time is here. One minute before midnight, the presence of the enemy, the shaking, the feeling, the nervous condition, the tension of their world, and not knowing that's your doom. Doom is written all over the whole thing. And he said that's the feeling of their world. That's the tension. And people live in that world and have no idea where this thing's going to wind up. They have no idea where it's going to be going. 
They have no, in a sense, as things get darker, uh, they're looking for the wrong source for hope and for consolation and for consistency. They're not finding it. They're not going to find it in this world. Oh, he said, let's mount up with wings as eagles now and fly into the arms of him that's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if we read in the previous quote here how David said, I look back at the Hermonites. I look back at those places where God uh, ministered to his people even out in the wilderness. And Brother Bram, in a sense, he's saying the same thing. We look out and we see the condition of the world and the times and uh, the people out there and the human mind leaving the people. You don't need examples of that. We hear about it every single day. Talk to these people who work in hospitals and uh, settings like that. And you see, it's just incredible what human beings can do to one another. And we've arrived at that time where Brother Bram said the human mind is leaving the people. And he said the only thing we can do, he said, is look up to him and mount up as wings of an eagle now and fly to him. That's the same yesterday, today, and forever. How many agree that's a good piece of advice? If we could change our bodies, we would. If we could leave here, we would. If we had the assurance that everyone who's going to be saved is saved and all your family's tucked in uh, into Christ, then you know what? We could all say the same thing, let's go. But, you know, every one of us probably have somebody that uh, needs needs salvation or needs to move up in Christ because they have not been moving up in Christ. Every one of us have uh, people that we'd like to see God really deal with. And it's a thrill uh, to see God dealing with people, young or old, it doesn't matter. It's a thrill to see people applying the word in their lives. It's a thrill to see people uh, changing and making, uh, you know, making like they're applying the token in their life. It's a wonderful thing. It's a fabulous thing. And I feel like that we should do, we as ministry, we should do everything we can to build up, to edify, to create an atmosphere uh, in, through our ministries to uh, encourage people to make those changes and to have the, have the courage to step out in faith and trust God for whatever the future holds. I believe that that's, that's, that's my role. And I think then as parents, we can take that home and we can apply it to our children as well and uh, help settle their fears and uh, let them realize that there is a place, help them to realize that there is a place and there is a, uh, excuse me, a real God that we serve that knows us and loves us and cares about us. Now, <clears throat> I'm just preambling here. In the breach, Brother Branham reads Romans chapter 8, and he says, We know that the whole creation groaneth. Oh, my. He said, We understand this will take place at the first resurrection. Nature's groaning. We're groaning. Everything is groaning because we realize something's not right. Even if we don't know what the real looks like, we know this is not it. We can have peace. We can have peace temporarily. Until your phone dings, and then you get another email, or you get another text, or someone calls you with something going on. Peace is fleeting in our time. Isn't that right? We don't get it long term. We don't know what a thousand years of peace is, let alone uh, uh, you know an eternity that rolls out with peace in it. We don't know that. And as a result, uh, there are people who have anxious thoughts they have anxious feelings about the times that we live in and sometimes we're told the wrong things about things we're going through and i want to challenge some of those things because there are things even in our in our world that are called sicknesses that i really always don't believe are true sicknesses i believe that there are things that we go through that that are not uh medical sicknesses at all and Sometimes, like Brother Branham said, and I don't have the statement here with me tonight, 
But Brother Branham said that sometimes you can, he says, you can take a nerve medicine and it only covers something up. And he says, whenever you stop that, it's still there. Now, that's not in every case. And I'm speaking in general terms. I'm not speaking to any individual here or any individual family or someone who's listening here. I'm just telling you in general. Brother Branham said we all realize that there's something that's not right. That's one thing that we all can feel. And the only way we can groan and wait for it is that there's been a new life that speaks of another world, speaks of another kingdom. And we have a connection to that kingdom. It's an invisible one. And we've never seen the kingdom. We only know one person who went over, visited, came back, and told us what it was like. But we really don't know what that kingdom is actually like. What we know over here is that the devil wants to use me as a punching bag just about every day of my life. While God is lifting me higher, Satan wants to punch at me in every, every opportunity he possibly can. And so therefore, uh, therefore there's, there's, we, we live in this, in a sense, we live in this growing extreme as well. We hear about that kingdom, which is great, but we live in this one. And this one's deteriorating. It's a world falling apart. And so we're living in a kingdom that's going down, and we're heading to a kingdom that, I mean, is, is perfect. It's a, it's a place that God created. It's perfect. You're heading to a body that's perfect. And it'll never know weakness. It'll never know uh, anxiety. It'll never know those things over on the other side because it's perfect. And it's living and placed in a perfect condition. And so, therefore, it's hard to, ma- to imagine. It truly is. But I believe that by faith, we all know that there's something there that God has prepared for us. And that's why I think, and I'll say this publicly here, I think whenever we get the opportunity to have a funeral service for a believer, I think that's a great thing. It's not great that a person passed away. We've lost some real true loved ones, and we're sorry that they leave a, they leave a hole. They leave a great vacuum, not only uh, you know, in the assembly, but in our hearts as well. And we all know what that feels like in one way or another. But I think to be able to uh, look at it as God does, that precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints, uh, and to be able to uh, declare that we know where this person is by faith, we know that they're in the, in, the, in the place of God and they have a body that's prepared for them. I mean, I think that's a wonderful thing. It's a final salute to somebody who we believe lived the life, fought the fight, and they believe that laid up for them is a crown of righteousness on the other side. You may think that's funny that I would enjoy a funeral. It's not that I enjoy a funeral. I don't enjoy the passing of anybody and the suffering they go through in leaving this world. But I think it's a real final salute to somebody who leaves this world. I think dedicating babies is a statement that God says life goes on. And I think dedicating babies is a wonderful thing. I think marrying young Christians is a wonderful thing. I love to do it. And it's wonderful to be able to put your blessing upon two young people and uh, to be able to say to the world, hey, this is, this is the way God raises up young people. This is not the way the world does, but this is the way God raises up young people. And to be able to give them the blessing of the Lord and uh, you know, to be able to send them off in life, I think that's a wonderful thing. I love to do that. That's, that's a part of the ministry that God gives to us. And as an assembly... Uh, you know, we, we, we do that believing that, uh, you know, we are representatives of another kingdom. And we live, in a sense, attached to that kingdom. And our directions and our, uh, you know, our, our, uh, our mandates, our, our guidelines all come. Our absolute comes from another kingdom. It doesn't come from this world. We're not looking for this world or politics or uh, somebody who's uh, waiting for the next election to figure out what we should believe or what we should do. We already know that. We already got that. Came from on high. So that's not in question at all. 
But we do know that the way that the enemy attacks us, and, you know, realistically, if that was all we had to do was, uh, you know, just believe the word and go to church, that would be great. But the enemy doesn't look at it that way. He attacks us several different ways. And one of the ways he does is physical diseases. <clears throat> we all don't have the same kinds of issues, and some people are blessed. They have great health, and uh, they're great stewards of their health. And other people seem to struggle with it in lots of different ways. But either way, we know that sickness doesn't come from God. Isn't that right? Hang on now. We also know, too, that people struggle mentally. And they have, uh, they have issues that they have to deal with that are not physical at all. And they don't have any physical basis at all. But there are things that they struggle with in a real way. There are also spiritual battles that we face. Uh, hold on, we've got a statement here that I think is worth, uh, worth uh, quoting. Brother Branham also says, There's none of us that are immune from troubles. God has not promised to excuse us from all sickness, but it is written that his strength is sufficient. One thing is for sure, that no matter what you go through, in other words, that's what he's saying, no matter what we go through, he says he's got a provision made. And he'll never put so much upon us, but what he will give us grace to bear. So we have that consolation of knowing. How many know that God has different avenues of healing? It can be through love. It can be through, uh, it can be through music. It can be through the laying on of hands. It can be supernatural. God has all kinds of different ways of healing. And we're thankful for that. We always have those avenues. Now, <clears throat> let me just knock this in the head here before we go any further. There are people who believe that, hey, whatever will be, will be. And therefore, there's no point in praying for anything because God's got it all uh, laid out and everything is predestinated, so there's really nothing I can do. So uh, there's no sense in praying. There's no sense in pressing in. Or there's no sense in, uh, you know, seeking God or uh, being like the unjust judge. You remember that parable where Jesus said uh, this woman came at the unjust judge continually. And by her continual knocking, the judge finally answered. Jesus gives us that parable. Jesus gives us that parable because he doesn't want us to fall into a complacent attitude and say, well, you know, it doesn't matter. If that's what the doctor says, well, that's the way it is. And, uh, you know, maybe I'm genetically predisposed to it, so therefore I'll just roll over and accept that. I think there's a lot of things that we accept in our world. And I say we just as a general, not you, but I say we in general. We accept a lot of things that are given to us that, uh, I, let me tell you, I think we should uh, very much examine the things that are told us. And uh, I think we should take those things to, to God in prayer. Because there's some things I think that uh, God wants you to resist. There's some things that God wants you to uh, get serious about. And, and there are things that happen in our world that very often are nothing more than just a shake-up. And God's trying to get your attention. God's trying to uh, use the circumstances that you're facing uh, to get you off, off that complacent pew and on your knees and seeking Him in a way that you haven't before. God does that. How many believe God does that? And the same day, in other words, you're always better listening to God at the volume He's speaking to you at. Because when he starts to turn up the volume, it can really get loud. And the same day when even was come, he saith unto them, let us pass over to the other side. And when they had sent uh, away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship. And there was also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind and the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. He was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they woke him and said, Master, carest not that we perish. A lot of people will feel... 
or adopt an attitude that, well, you know what? If we perish, we perish. If we make it, we make it. You know, it's all, uh, you know, it's all a done deal anyway. It's all shot out of the barrel, so uh, there's no point in praying at all. That falls into the category of fatalism. And I'd like to define that as stupid theology. I don't believe that that's true at all. I don't believe it's biblical at all. I believe God's a predestinator, but you can misunderstand predestination if you don't pray. You've misunderstood the doctrine of predestination if you don't pray. It is a submissive mental attitude resulting from the acceptance of the thing in that everything that happens is predetermined and inevitable. So that would rob somebody from the urgency of praying at all. That all events are predetermined in advance for all time. And human beings, hey, listen, I believe that God knows what will happen all through time, right? Because he's omniscient, meaning that he knows all things, and he knows how you're going to react. And he knew that the disciples were looking at the situation and woke him up here. And uh, uh, you know that uh, all human beings are powerless to change them. I don't believe that. I don't believe that we are powerless to change things. I believe that God has put a power in the church that we should not be afraid of nor reluctant to use. I believe that God has put in us, according to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, He's put in us the word of reconciliation. And we are, I mean, according to the scripture, we are ambassadors as though God did beseech you. In other words, just as if, if, if a person witnesses truth to you, that's just the same as if God appeared to you and told you what was taking place in our world. We become ambassadors for the kingdom. And I believe we have an authority. I believe we have a power. I believe many times we're reluctant to use that, but I believe that we have it nonetheless. What a shame to have all kinds of money in the bank and be reluctant to write a check. Because you feel like, well, you know, people might not believe that I actually have that kind of money. <clears throat> There was a situation one time up in Lima, Ohio, where a sister who was in the message, who was very, very wealthy, she was connected to Brother Bill Dow up there. And she went in with her nephew, and uh, she walked into a BMW, not a, a Mercedes dealership, and uh, the, the grandson uh, wanted to buy a new car. And so he wanted to have a Mercedes, so he walked into the dealership, and he was going to buy a used one, and the grandmother said, well, why don't you get yourself a new one? It's not really much price difference, so why don't you get a new one? So uh, they got a salesman, and this salesman came up to her and said, how can we help? And she said, well, my grandson would like to have this car, the one that's out there in the lot. And I have three other grandsons as well, so I might as well buy three more for them. So I'll take all four. And uh, he just kind of had this smile on his face. Yeah, right. And uh, went to the finance manager, you know, the guy behind the cube. And then he made a phone call and talked to somebody and called the bank. Somebody called the bank from the dealership. And the bank manager said, whatever she wants, you sell it to her. Because she has enough money to buy every Mercedes here and the dealership and everything that's built on the block that the dealership is built in. So if I were you. I would just go ahead and sell her. She didn't look like it. She didn't look. She's just a little old woman carrying her purse. But let me tell you, she, was, she, had, uh, she had resources behind her. I believe this, saints of God, and I wish I had the voice to do it, but if I project, I'll, something else will happen. I believe this, that we have resources. I believe many times we have resources untapped. And I believe sometimes it's just faith that unlocks those resources to us. Now, here's Brother Brandon, resurrection of Lazarus. When they went in and laid down, he said... 
It's not their business to worry. Was it nothing to eat? No cornfields to get into? No place to grow any corn? This is the children of Israel in the wilderness. And it was nothing but a big old desert, even a, not even a sprig of grass. And he says, how are we going to eat? Then he says, that's not your question. That's not your question. Because implied in the question is, is God able to feed us out here? I mean, God brought us out. Is God able to give us what we have need of, or are we all going to die here? And I believe that the scripture teaches us to ask better questions. And we'll talk more as we go along. But that's not your question, Brother Bram said. That's God's question. He said, I'll take care of you. I'm the Lord. I'm Jehovah Jireh. And I'll make a way where there is no way. I am the way. So you've got to be sure that you're asking the right question and not wasting time asking God the wrong question. And there are times when it, when it comes to healing that we'll sit there and say, why doesn't God do it? Why doesn't God do it? I know God can do it. Why doesn't God do it? Why doesn't God do it? And I'm tell you, telling you, that's the wrong question to be asking. A lot of times we should be asking, Lord, is there something that I have not done that I need to do in order for healing virtue to flow? Is there something in my life? Is there some way that I'm holding up the process? Is there some stone left unturned? Is there some issue in my life that I need to resolve? Is there somebody I need to forgive? Is there something I need to make right? And, and sometimes those are much better questions than, uh, how are you going to do it? My goodness, I'm hungry. Where's God? God is not our butler. He operates according to certain principles. Let's go on in the same quote here. Next morning they went out and there laid manna all over the ground. He said that was the beginning of the journey of the first church in the natural. Now he says, look at the beginning of the second church in the spiritual. And when the day of Pentecost was come, he said they came out of their churches everywhere. How long was it to stay? That manna fell until they entered into the promised land. So God uses those resources for a season when we have need of them, but then he moves on. And the Holy Ghost is here from the day of Pentecost and will stay with us until the day we enter into the promised land. Brother Bram speaks very positively here about this. He said God gave him that until this time. And then he gave him something else until that time. And then he gives us something else until we get that time. Listen, no other age received rapturing faith in their message of the hour until the last day because they didn't have need of it. We do. So God provides it in there. And that is the revelation that one day our bodies will be changed. And I believe that happens. Now... Peter tells us that we should humble ourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. The exalting is is up to him. It's in his time. But your job, your role in this is to humble yourself before God and believe and confess that God is able to do anything, that God is able to accomplish everything, that God has a plan for your life and that God knows exactly what we have need of, No matter whether we can articulate it really well. No matter whether we can say it really well to him. God does know exactly what we have need of. And he says for us to cast our care. And that word care in the Greek you can click on it. It means anxiety. Cast your anxiety upon him because he cares for you. Now what Peter is drawing from is an Old Testament statement that David gave. And he said cast thy burden upon the Lord and he shall sustain thee. And he shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. I really like this. I like this because of the way that the words are defined here in the Hebrew. Cast thy lot upon the Lord. Now a lot is, uh, is, is that thing 
that is assigned. So if whatever you've been assigned in life, if you are a minister, if you're a housewife, cast that to the Lord and he will sustain thee. If you're a husband, if you're a, uh, you know, if you're an elder, hey, you cast that, whatever, whatever place you find yourself in life, cast that, give it to God, and he will sustain thee. I think that's a really good piece of advice. Then no matter what you are, and stop trying to be something else. If you're married to somebody, stop trying to think in your mind you're married to somebody else. If you've been given a job or you've been called to do a certain thing, hey, you should do that. And cast that upon the Lord. Because even in the perfect will of God, there are things that are stressful. And so therefore, cast that thing assigned unto God. And he will never suffer the righteous to be moved. Because the best thing that God, the best thing that can happen to you with your lot is that God takes that and uses that to minister through you to the world you come in contact with. It's not a fluke or a, a chance, that, uh, you know, a, a mischance, that, if that's a word, that you wind up here in this last age. So, for instance, for you people that are here that are uh, in the medical field or your teachers, uh, you're, you've, you've got a, uh, you know, teachers, they, uh, they're, they're not in it for the money, that's for sure. But there's a passion that a teacher has that drives them. Uh, to minister to other people and, and to teach. And, and it's interesting because if you, uh, if you take a retired teacher off the field, they'll go find somebody else to teach. They'll teach Sunday school or they'll teach somebody else because it's just in their heart. It's not a job to them. It's a passion. You know, medical people who are, uh, we have some very fine medical people here associated with our church. You know, it's not, um, it, it's something that you just love to do. It's God places that calling in you. And no matter what you are, ministers or, uh, you know, housewives and all the other occupations that you people have, it's something that God places in you. And it's, a, it's an amazing thing to see God take that gift and use it to minister to his people and the people that you're in contact with. So Brother Andy would be in contact with people I'd never meet. But he has an opportunity uh, to not only minister to their physical needs and their emotional needs and so forth, but also to share a little of the kingdom, to demonstrate a little bit of the kingdom to them. And somebody who's a teacher, uh, or like Ben down here is a boss in his company. He's got a lot of employees around. And, uh, you know, being able to be a witness to them, not only to, to uh, you know, give them a job, give them a paycheck, but you're also a witness to them too. And so in other words, God puts something in you The best thing you can do is take that lot that God's given you, the thing you're assigned, give it to God, and say, Lord, use me through this thing you put in me to minister to God's people. Brother Branham often would say, he said, you know, God uh, gave me a gift of praying for the sick. He said, I'm not much of a preacher, but God gave me a, a gift to pray for the sick. And he said, many times when he went to meetings, he'd say, I'm only here to try to make your life a little better. Try to improve your lot in life. He said that's many times, many times he made that same statement. Now, Brother Branham was a great minister in the, in the gospel and so forth and had an insight because God gave him the words to say. And uh, <laughs> it was certainly impressive. But I'm saying this to you that, uh, you know, when, when, when it's a beautiful thing to watch how God will take that thing that he has assigned to you and begin to use it to minister to his people. And in doing that, In doing that, God establishes his righteous servants, his righteous people. And he'll never suffer them to be moved. Because they know they're in the place that God's placed them. 
They know they're doing the thing that uh, God wants them to do. So Peter comes along and says the same thing. You need to humble yourself to the mighty hand of God. And let God do the exalting. Let God do the using. But cast all your anxiety, all your troubles. You may, you may say, well, my goodness, they're closing the plant or they're making changes here. Hey, cast your lot to God. Because you can suffer anxiety needlessly. There are times when you suffer anxiety needlessly because we didn't do this thing. Number one, to humble ourselves before God and to give him all the anxiety you feel. But I think they go together. Those two things go together. And when you humble yourself before God, you're saying, God, I believe you have the power. Even if I have a degree and I have a good job and I have seniority and I have money in the bank, you know what? I have all these blessings in life because you have blessed me. And so, therefore, I don't want to take credit for this. Lord, I want to give you the glory and the honor. And you're humbling yourself before God. And you're saying, Lord, I'd be nothing without you. And, therefore, I'm going to take the, the stresses I feel and the stresses I'm enduring through life, and I'm going to give them to you. Because God, hey, listen, if God's called you to do a certain thing, he cares about you doing that thing. Does that make sense? Brother Bram says it another way. He says, cry for your needs. That's God's provided way. And didn't Jesus explain it when he said the unjust judge to the woman that cried day and night? How much more will your heavenly Father give them the spirit who cry out for day and night? He said, seek and keep seeking. Knock and keep knocking. If something's not working in your life or something's not not right, hey, listen, uh, we don't have any scriptures that say, all right, we're going to go and retreat and we're going to give up and walk away. No, we seek and keep seeking. We knock and keep knocking. We press and keep pressing. We look and we keep looking. We search and we keep searching. And we ask and we keep asking. And we, we, we continually go to God and we say in the same way, Lord, I'm not telling you what to do, but I'm saying, Lord, I'm giving you the steering wheel. I'm giving you the control here. And I want you, Lord, if there's something in here that I need to let go of, or something that I need to uh, know about my conduct or my attitude or my behavior, then, Lord, show me that so that I can move on, so that we can get unstuck. Because sometimes people can get stuck, and they can get stuck praying the right thing, but they're asking God the wrong questions. And so, therefore, uh, we, want to, we want to continue to press on in the process, but we want to stay open to whatever he has to say. And so that's why he's saying, cry out for our needs and he said, that's God's provided way. God's got a way for you to come to him, and God's got a way to come to you. God's got a way for you to access him, but God's got a way for him to access you as well. There's some people who don't want to let go of their past, or they don't want to let go of uh, something that they really like. They might be involved in some secret uh, sinful thing, and they really don't want to let go of it. They don't want to, they don't want to uh, give, give any exposure to things. They don't want to confess it. They don't want to bring it out into light. Listen, I've said this a million times to people, especially people who would come and seek help or counsel. I tell them, number one, you've done the best thing because the longer you keep this wrapped up and undercover, Satan will work you over continually. He hates the light. When you bring it out into the light, when you bring it out into the open, and you've, you've thought for a long time, and this is where the battle is, you've thought for a long time, People will think less of you if you confess it. 
Satan traps people into holding on to things that if they would just bring out into the open with the right person, of course, you know what? There's a light that comes that drives Satan away. He doesn't want to stay in that kind of a light. He doesn't want to stay. He doesn't endure that kind of exposure really well because the Scripture tells us to confess our faults one to another. And faults there means weaknesses. So when we have an anxiety or we have a weakness or we have an issue in life, hey, we cry to God, but God's got a way. And, and one of the worst things we can do is keep it all bottled up, and you look like you're a real good church person here tonight, and uh, we go through that, uh, we go through that, uh, that, that uh, in a sense, we go through that acting for a long time, and nothing really changes and nothing really grows. We don't really get over things that we should. Let me tell you something. God wants you to shed things that don't belong in that kingdom. He wants to take those things away from you. He wants to deliver you from them. And that's why David cried out and said, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Because if there's anything... And David was not afraid of that process. He invited that process. He invited the Holy Spirit to look in his heart and examine him so that uh, he, could, he could move on. He could uh, release himself of the guilt or the shame or the, even the thoughts that he had about things. They may, he may not have been guilty at all, but in his mind he's got these things all bottled up and harbored there and dwelling on them over and over and over again. A lot of times, let me tell you, God is simply saying, hey, take the scripture, do what the scripture says, and watch, because he whom the Son sets free is free indeed. I know how to free you. But people sometimes will hold on to things. Just keep still until he opens, stay with it, cry until the promised word is vindicated, then you got it. You don't have to worry no more. Oh, I wish I had more time. Now let me say this. I say that a lot, let me say this. And I appreciate you letting me say all the things I want to be let to say. I know people who were in this meeting in Erie, PA. And they said it was just unbelievable. For them, Brother Branham had never been in that area before. He'd been to Cleveland a couple of times, but he had never been in Erie, PA. And uh, there were people there who, I mean, they, uh, they were just absolutely uh, amazed. They, they had never seen anything uh, like this in the way, that, the way that God moved. And even afterwards, and I talked to people uh, who went to all, th- I think there was three meetings there, in Erie, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And I asked them, I said, what happened after? Like when Brother Bram left town, what happened? And they said, nothing. I said, did anybody invite you to follow Brother Branham or sign up? He said, they said there was nothing. We, Brother Bram said goodbye. We prayed and everybody left. And he said there was no, nothing to join. There was no movement or anything else. It was just like God simply dropped into the community and said, I'm still God. And all of the people... I mean, they many of them found it hard to go back to their denominations where, uh, you know, they were saying, oh, the days of miracles has passed. That's not for our age at all. And all these people were just witnesses of all these great miracles that happened. And they knew people who were in the prayer lines. They, Erie's not a big place. They knew these people that were healed and supernaturally discerned and so forth. They knew all of that. And there was no way they could go back to that. And, and it set them on a journey. They said, if that's one example, my goodness, then there must be more for us. And it set them on a journey. It was just amazing how God, in a sense, shocked the system by dropping in and proving he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, and then went on. Now, Brother Branham says this. He said, I'd like to get 
out here on a Sunday afternoon like this, and he said, where you're not under the anointing. This is in his preamble now. This is the last service. <clears throat> and just, just come out and speak the word. In other words, we have a simple study. He said, you'd be surprised how much your nerves are on attention. Demon power is moving in here. You've been in the meetings before, and you see what's happened. Here come a critic run up and say something like that. And you've got to be uh, just at the point. One word of wrong is all that it takes. Now, Brother Branham has told people that in conversation that he said that he would uh, be at the platform casting out spirits from uh, different people that were possessed of different things. And uh, Brother Branham said, he said, I hardly get any sleep when I'm in meetings like that because he said, those, those demons will show up in my hotel room. And he said, they'll plague me all night. They'll yell at me all night. They'll scream at me. And they'll say all kinds of things to me at night. He's dealing in a dimension that we don't see and we don't think about. And he says, when you're under that anointing, you're in a channel. But remember now, you're not there, but you're not really here either. You're kind of caught in between in that channel. And he's witness to all of this stuff that happens in the spiritual realm. And because now he's upset everything, because he's exposed Satan, and because uh, all of these things are happening according to the Word of God, these demons obviously are upset because, you know what? They're, they're, they're removed. They're forced to go. They're forced to flee and let go. They're forced to let go of God's property. And he's making that claim based on the Word of God. And he says, even that puts you on attention. Even that puts you in a, a place where, uh, you know, it's a nervous tension that he's under all the time. He said it would be really nice to come and just have a simple Bible study like we're having tonight. So in other words, on a scale, compared to what he went through in these big meetings and these big campaigns, uh, this, this to him would have been a pleasant thing, just to be able to come and study the Scripture, study the message, and take a topic and work through it. It would have been what he really liked to do. I'm thankful that he did what he did so that we have a way to do what we're doing tonight and to be able to grow from that. He said, now you feel a lot different. He said, don't you? You see, that nervousness has left you, that tension. And how many, here's a person in the prayer line. He says, now many times they say, they say nervousness will get next to yourself. That isn't to be done. It's something that causes that. I'd like to stop here and say this. Take my advice. It's one of the worst things you can ever say to somebody who's nervous and, t- and has a nervous tension or they're anxious about something. And we're dealing with specifically with uh, anxiety here or if they're depressed or something else, and just tell them, hey, snap out of that. You know what? We're a blessed people. Just snap out of that and move on. Brother Bram said, that isn't to be done. I don't think there's anyone who enjoys being in that place. I don't know of anyone who enjoys being really anxious. Anxious to the point where they would go to try to find counsel or go to try to find a doctor and try to just, just stop the voices and just... Just get everything to slow down just a little bit. I don't think people are praying to be in that state. And if they could, they would get away from it. If they could, they'd get out of it. And Brother Branham said, but there's something that causes that. There's something that is behind that. And I think it's important for us to recognize that, uh, you know, there, there is uh, definitely an emotion. There is a, a feeling. And I would say or define it like this. Anxiety is the emotion that tells us when something is too important for us to lose the focus of. Let me say it again. Anxiety, and this is my definition here, is the emotion that tells us when something is the 
is something is too important for us to lose the focus on. In other words, it's there continually. It's something that they're, they're uh, focused on. And it's a voice of concern that's not satisfied. It's a voice of concern that won't be ignored. And people who get anxious about something, they just become, uh, if you like, fixated on a, on a particular thing. And they, become, they, they feel that. That's, that's a thing that's really prominent. And they're looking for a place of safety. They're looking for a place where that can stop. I'll tell you what, I've run into people a lot lately uh, who have told me about their children and young people who actually told me that they cut themselves, which is a terrible thing. But 99% of the time, and I, I don't know every case, obviously, but a lot of times they're just striking at that thing that's on the inside, from the outside. And they're trying to stop that and trying to hurt that thing from the outside in. And it's not a good way to go about it. But I will tell you, a lot of people who struggle with that, they're looking for a place that's safe. They're looking for a place that's peaceful. And there's something, like Brother Branham said in the beginning, when it comes to groaning, we all groan because we know the world is not the place it should be. God never put us on this earth to suffer and struggle. We're looking for a place of safety. We're looking for a place of peace. Every one of us are. Some people feel like, you know, some people struggle with that whole, uh, that anxious feeling that uh, something's not right and it can take different forms. But I'll tell you this, every one of us, every one of us really do want to have that place of peace. But it doesn't come from outside sources. I believe that it comes from the Prince of Peace. He's the only one that can bring us to that place. Now... Brother Bram talked to this person in a prayer line. He says, now you feel a lot different. He said, see that nervousness has left you, that tension? And he says, now when you're standing here a while ago, it was like a black cloud that came floating up against me. And he said it was making that sound. And now it's gone from you. And he says, you're all right now. And go and the peace of God be upon you. You're going to be well. That's what people are looking for. He said, <clears throat> they say life begins at 40. He said, that's a lie. Life begins at the altar. How many believe that? Every promise is yours. It's all yours. And maybe you haven't searched for it. And maybe you haven't looked down to find out where the promise is for you. I will tell you this, that there are some people who actually could probably be a little more anxious about their salvation. And a, not, not in a dysfunctional way, but they should be more concerned. They should be more focused on things that matter, things that are serious. And he said, God's more anxious for you to get it than you are to receive it. More anxious. He wants you to have it. It's your personal property. Now, let me jump just for a little bit here. Because I want to bring you this scripture, this, this little passage here. Now, some woman said to me, I've only got a few minutes left here. So he says, now, some woman said to me, what are you going to say about penicillin for the flu? Well, he said, penicillin is like you had a house full of rats. And they're eating... They're eating holes everywhere. And you put out some rat poison and poison the rats. Penicillin only kills the germ. It doesn't patch the holes or build the tissue that it tore down. It takes God the healer to do that. How many would agree? You can kill the rats, but you still got holes, right? 
That's what Brother Ram's saying now. He's, and he's explaining and talking about healing here. He said, he's the Lord who heals all of our diseases. Certainly, I believe that. I'm thankful to God for these toxins and the salt vaccine. It's a dangerous thing not to take it. The little children to get inoculation. And he said, what would we do without such? Everybody can't have faith for healing. They should, but they don't. So what would, we, what would you do? He said, you'd just have sickness, and it'd be a terrible place if we had no hospitals or things. It'd be an awful place if you didn't have hygiene and health clinics and what we have. But we thank God for everything we have because everything, everything good, every good thing comes from God. And so God uses these avenues and God brings them. And it, it, like a, a vaccine, in that case, a salt vaccine for polio, you know, God will use that and uh, in, in, in that way touch a lot of lives and bring a lot of healing to people and prevent disease because God's into the prevention of disease as well as, as he is into the curing of disease. Isn't that right? It would be an awful place if we didn't have what we have. And the problem is, if you don't believe that, you haven't traveled. Because when you travel and you're in third world countries, uh, you know, uh, Brother Aaron and I were talking about a, a, a case of a sister over there who's married to a minister translator and has a, has a cancer and he had the picture, and it's an obvious growth that she has, and they have to operate on that, and it's right next to all the swallowing and the glands and so forth that are in her neck. It's all here. And in order to, to accomplish that, she would have to go to a, uh, an upper-grade hospital in Zimbabwe, a, a better hospital than the normal hospital. And I will tell you that having been in Africa many times in third-world countries, there are a lot of hospitals that they just don't have the medicine and they don't have the care. They don't have the machinery and the technology to really minister to people. So a lot of times they'll take people in, they'll look at them, examine them, and they'll probably tell them what's going on, and then they'll give them placebo. They'll give them uh, pills that look like medicine, but they're not medicine at all because they don't have the funds to be able to purchase medicines for their hospitals. And I'll tell you what, that would be an awful place. But you, some of you are looking at me uh, incredulously. That goes on all the time. That goes on all the time. And I will tell you something. I, I'm thankful that we have what we have. It's what Brother Branham is telling us right here. We should be thankful for what God has. And God uses all of these means in order to help us in the seasons that we go through. Now, Forgive me just for a sec here. Let me just jump. <clears throat> Brother Branham tells us that there are times and things that happen that changes the whole course of our life. Certain things happen to us. Changes the whole course of our lives. We know that. Certain things take place along life's journey that changes the whole course of our life. Let me give you an example of that. Brother Branham says, now you're looking this way, talking to a man, and do you believe what the Bible says is true? You believe that this is the hour that Jesus is to come, that the church has come from sanctification and so forth, justification all the way. He said, now, he's just catching the man's spirit. And then he says, now, what's your trouble? He said, you've had an accident. And in that accident, you were gassed with carbon monoxide gas. And it poisoned you in your liver. And you had trouble with that. And you had trouble with your stomach. You had trouble with your heart. The man says, right. And it's made you so nervous until you built yourself up into a complex. And he said, you're poor and you must go back to work. 
but you're afraid to go back to work. You're afraid to get around that carbon monoxide gas. What a spot. Back in that day, they didn't have a lot of the controls and the, uh, you know, the, the pollution controls that they have now. So the man has gone. He suffered all of this because of the carbon monoxide gas. If that's not fixed, then if he goes back to work, he's going to be exposed to it again and have to suffer that pain all over again. If he's susceptible to it once, he could be again. But the problem is, is that he's got to work because he's got no other form of income. So you can see why a person like that would be anxious. And Brother Bram says certain things happen in our life that change the course of life. And so he's desperate enough that he comes in at a prayer line. My goodness, I'm thankful for the mercies of God. I'm thankful for how God shows up and provides himself. And in a case like this, for us to be able to see how God deals with him. And he says, you're afraid to go back to work, afraid of that gas, but it's going to be all right. Now, remember, if you'll tell me who you are, will you accept it and go on and be of good cheer? Your name is Mr. Wagner. Go on back on your road. Everything is okay. God's going to take care of it. Brother Bram simply tells this man what the truth of this whole matter is. And you can logically look at that and say, my goodness, it's no wonder that uh, you know, he's feeling nervous and has the anxiousness that he has and trouble with your heart, trouble with your liver and all the rest of it. And he says, now to have to go right back into that again. I'll tell you what, I'm thankful that we can go to a God who can protect us no matter what situation that we're in. And that's why in that opening scripture that I read there about David and how, uh, you know, how he said, I, I feel that anxiousness in my heart. But then I remember what Moses went through outside the, outside the borders of the promised land. And, and, and you help them out there. And if you can help them out there, you can help us in here. And here's a man who has enough faith to come into that prayer line and, and not tell his problem, but his problem is told to him. And God's got a solution. And to me, that's a solution of peace. What a great thing. Because you can't predict this, that certain things will happen along life's journey that changes the whole course of life for us. We've been praying for Brother Mike Ultig, a minister in South Carolina, and uh, lives in Beach Island, South Carolina. And he always, he always told me, he said, it's, we don't have a beach, and he said, we're not an island. But he said, it's called Beach Island, South Carolina. And he's driving down the road with his wife. He's going to the funeral home to plan a funeral for an old man, old brother who's died in his church. And on the way, a woman comes and T-bones him and hits his side of the truck and completely crushes Brother Mike inside the, not completely, but uh, obviously, uh, you know, it's a horrible accident and they had to pull him out of the truck and it's all uh, beat up and so forth. And he's, he's still, he's at home, but he's having to go back to do uh, multiple surgeries to correct things in life. Hey, that's not something that he's expecting. That's not something he wished for, but things happen. And we cannot say, Because we live in this life, we cannot say, hey, that won't happen to me, I'm a believer. Bad things happen to good people. And I would say this to you tonight in in closing and just saying this, that I I believe that the the better place to be is in that place of, of relationship with God now rather than seeking that after the emergency arises. And we who are here tonight have that opportunity to cast our cares upon him. And whatever your lot is in life, whatever it is that you're facing in life, you're better off giving that to God. Just surrender that to him. And he says, I'll I'll not suffer the righteous to be moved. So that no matter what happens 
And that's not a guarantee that nothing will happen, but rather just to say that whatever does happen, Lord, I know you've got this. I know you have my back. I know you have a resource. I know you have a way for me. And because of that, I have a rest. Because of that, I have a peace. And because of that, I can face tomorrow. Because certain things will happen along life's journey that we always don't have any choice about, that we always can't predict. And so therefore, it's important for us to remind ourselves that he was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquity, and the chastisement of our peace is upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. God knew we'd live in a crazy age. He knew we'd live in a wacky age. He knew we'd come to the place where we're looking for uh, peace and looking for answers and looking for direction. And I'm not talking about just the people in the world, but even in, even in the message. And I know some of you are uh, dealing with that. Some people who are listening are dealing with that. And I'll tell you that we are not without resources. Thank God we're not without resources. We have we have a resource. And when these people came to Brother Branham like this, Brother Branham didn't look down on them because they were nervous. He didn't look down on them because they were feeling anxious about things. But he knew there was something that would have triggered that, something that would have caused that. And he's interested in going back and find God reveals to him the things that's gone on there. And now all of a sudden this makes sense here. And we want, what the thing that we want to do and the thing he's encouraging them to do is to listen to the truth of this whole matter and then accept what God says, accept what God provides, and we can walk on in peace. Let's stand to our feet. Let's have our musicians come. <clears throat> he says now, you're sons and daughters of God. He said, heirs of the kingdom. And right now, he said, we are kings. Claim your legal rights. And don't let Satan press anything on you. You're of God, and he has no rights to hold it. He has no rights to hold you. If you're a son or a daughter of God, he has no right to hold you. He has no power that's greater than the power of God to keep you from moving on in the direction that God wants you to move on in. And so, therefore, it's important for us to use the resource that God's given to us to claim our legal rights. We're thankful for what God provides. But I'll tell you, it'll do us no good until we actually access it and we use it and we apply it in our lives. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to take a minute this evening here before we close. And maybe, I don't know, there may be even people that are listening here tonight. But just, just do this for me. And just say, Lord, you know the thing that I'm searching for in my heart. You know the thing that I'm longing for. And Satan has given me all kinds of noise and distractions and voices here. But I want to just let the Holy Spirit in in such a way that I can have a word with you tonight. Lord, I'm asking for peace and I'm asking for that strength to be able to face tomorrow and know that I'm in the right place with you and know that no matter what happens, you have my back. And you're one who said that he never let the righteous slip, but their foot would be solid. Now there's more to this 
and we'll talk a little bit more about it. But let's start there. Let's everybody close your eyes for a moment. Just make this personal now. And in making it personal, you might know of someone that is a loved one, someone who's close. And, And if this is not something that's a burden to you, it might be a burden to them. And I want you to hold that person on your heart. And let's just pray together. Heavenly Father, as we bow in your presence tonight, Lord, there's obviously many, many people that you sent, you inspired to go and stand in a prayer line. And now we have a record, a modern-day record of things that you said and did through that prophet to minister to those people, that they might have real peace that they might have relief of these symptoms and this confusion sometimes that they have in their head or voices that they would have that just don't seem to want to stop. And Lord, I'm praying tonight that the Prince of Peace would come by and lay your hand upon those that are reaching out to you tonight. Lay your hand upon those that they're praying for. Lord, may you just come and be that Jehovah Shalom that only you can be. Because Lord, we live in a world that's pretty chaotic, pretty dangerous. Just like the days of Noah when the earth was filled with violence. But you chose us to be here. You chose us to stand in this last day. And here we stand. And I'm asking, oh God, that you'd help us to be strong. I'd pray that you would help us, Lord, just to have that peace with you, that that only the Prince of Peace can give. And Lord, may you just reach back to us now. As we speak to you and commune with you, Lord, may you just reach back to us. And Lord, provide that consolation in every heart. With you, nothing is impossible. We may think, Lord, that, well, this is the way I am, or this is the way that I was born, or this is the way things are. Lord, that's not how we view it. We believe that prayer changes things. We believe, Lord, that we have a right to come as sons of God and to rebuke that enemy that would have his hands upon us, have hands upon our loved ones. Because that's not his property. That's not something he died for. But, Lord, that's your property. And so we are claiming that ground tonight. We are claiming that peace. And, Lord, may you deal with every heart. Forgive us, Lord, for things that we have done wrong. Forgive us, Lord, in any way for things that we have may maybe have allowed to be an influence in our life that should never be an influence, Lord. May we look seriously, may we look through the eyes of the token at our lives in a way, Lord, that you can deal with us. And may we be still long enough, Lord, just to hear your voice. Father, every one of us, every single one of us, Lord, would benefit from the Holy Spirit just searching through us. And may our ways, Lord, be pleasing unto you. Lord, we appreciate you so much, and we we love you. We love your word. We love the consolation that it brings, Lord. We love the examples that have been set before us. And Lord, may we draw from the resources that you've given. You are still a tree of life. You are still in an inexhaustible fountain of life. 
You're still a God who cares. So, Lord, we submit ourselves to you. We humble ourselves to you. And like Peter said, we cast our cares upon you tonight. Granted, Lord, I pray. Granted, Lord, in every life, in every soul, every family, Lord. And we'll give you thanks and praise in Jesus' lovely name. Christ alone.
again in Christ alone. My hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song. This separate ways, Lord, and through the balance of this week, we commit each one, Lord, into your care and into your protective custody. Lord, may you just bless each family, each one is represented in Jesus' name and for your glory. Amen. And amen. Sing this as you go. Bring it up, second verse there, if you will. Sing it as you go tonight. God bless you. In Christ alone to conflict Fullness of God in heaven's name, this gift of love and righteousness, scorned by the ones he came to save.